Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. I take a breath before saying that because it's a big name. It is a big, a big name. guy. You're an important man. It's almost as big as Drzezemski. You've got a large head. It's got it's got more syllables than Dorian. Stretching out my headphones. <laughs> you, keep, you keep going. I can keep going. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm so glad this you're isn't here. Getting edited, is it? <laughs> no. This is in the show. Uh, so we're uh, we're. This is some exciting stuff we got to talk about today. It's always exciting because here's Jeff. the deal. I purposely didn't tell you what I was going to talk about today. You just never to do. See what, well, I admit do it, too. Admit it. All right. I don't very much, but that's not the point. The point is today. Yes. Um, you know, I I want to talk about something that just like you know how things just strike you. Yes. And you go, I wonder how that got there. There you go. I wonder how that's supposed. To, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Something just speaks to you. I I went to you were there as well. Mm-hmm. I went to a production of. Tolton from Slave to Priest. It's a, it a good it's a, show. It's a, a show. It's a like a it's a one act, a one man one act mm-hmm. drama. He plays a, uh, to uh, recorded right. voices and people uh, about the story of Father Augustus Tolton. Yeah, his life story. Right. He's a servant of God. He's he's uh, really an incredible. The first African American priest in the United States. In the United States. Mm-hmm. His story, how he got there. Then, really, once he was a priest. How he dealt with the even within the church. Oh yeah, and how he he was whatever. It's very. It's done by a guy named uh, the actor is Jim Coleman, very talented guy. That was really uh, pretty uh, cool, and and, and St. Luke's St. Luke Productions is who puts it on. Right. But as I'm watching this, you know, uh, the, the story is 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 phenomenal, and I'm just listening, and all of a sudden I hear he quoted St. Paul. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of scripture in there, but he quoted St. Paul and St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, in chapter five, and when when Saint Paul says, "Pray without ceasing," right? He just said, "You know, I've been trying to pray without ceasing." It just, and all of a sudden, that kind of struck me. I don't know why, but then I lingered on it. Okay. It was kind of like my own little mini lectio divina. There you go. <laughs> I just was focusing on on that phrase, mm-hmm. and I started to, I started to think how ludicrous that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, does that that may sound bad. It could. It could sound also neg- uh, positive. Well, but I guess my point is, is like, what? Wait a second. It just. I, I, and so I started. Well, so here's the here's the here's the scripture, mm-hmm. right? First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verses sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Wonderful little admonition. We hear this and we all go like, yeah, that sounds good. Saint Paul said it in the scriptures right we quote it it's good right now go out and live it well so that's the thing i look at that and i said pray without ceasing and i'm thinking no you can't do that right right you just it's, it's impossible I, first of all you know as a guy i started to do the math mm-hmm. got my calculator out <laughs> it's like there's eighty six thousand four hundred seconds a day mm-hmm. does that mean that for eighty six thousand four hundred seconds you're supposed to be praying yes that's what the Bible says. Yeah, I know. That's what the scriptures tell us. But I'm thinking, like, how can I possibly do that? Right. Right? That, that just, it's like, maybe what it really means is just pray a lot. <laughs> do the best you can. 
right? Because, you know, the no. Bible, well, the Bible's true. It's supposed to be true. Yes. Right? We're supposed to see the truth in it. And so why didn't St. Paul says, you know, rejoice always, you know, pray a lot. And yeah. in all circumstances, well, in most circumstances, give thanks. I mean, why, why is it that we're this like held to this standard of pray without ceasing? And what can that possibly mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, because, again, I think practically. And I'm thinking, well, all right, I got to eat. Right. And when I get hungry, I don't think about much more than food. Exactly. Right. So it's like right now, what's in my mind? Double cheeseburger. <laughs> right. Double cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, double cheeseburger. <laughs> it becomes a mantra. You know, it's like right. that's what's. And that's our bodies talking to us and mm-hmm. saying, you need to eat. You right. need sustenance, right? And, and certainly when I'm doing work, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, flying an airplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me close my hair, my eyes and pray now. And we just, it's like, uh, you know, Mr. Pilot, can you open your eyes <laughs> for, for me? <laughs> you know, uh, so how can I be praying while I'm doing my job, right? right? Operating heavy machinery, mm-hmm. Right, and, and and certainly there's like noise, noise, noise in the world. There's there's all these distractions, there's all these things that keep our that that, that demand our focus. Mm-hmm. How is it possible for the human brain to focus on prayer every second of every day? Right, and I'll remind you, there are eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in a day. Right, right, and and then certainly there aren't enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Right, it just seems like we have so many things to do on this to do list of life mm-hmm. that we don't really have enough hours. That, that we can do all the things we need to do and still pray. And then even then, if we had more hours, we'd be required to pray those extra hours. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I just don't see. And, of course, do you pray when you sleep? Right? Do. I know. And so how is what is it that 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 St. Paul is trying to get at? And so then I start thinking, well, I, okay, I want to build my case. And I want to be able to petition the Holy Father and say, hey, while you're doing all these things that you're supposedly changing, you know, why don't you change this scripture? Can we just cut that part out yeah. to pray without ceasing? Because it is nigh on impossible. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how it's possible to pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Because some things we may say, like, well, it's not meant to be taken literally. But it's like, I don't know, pray, pray without ceasing mm-hmm. seems to be something you could probably take uh, uh, literally. But I, I look at it and it goes like, well, aside from those distractions, there's there's certainly other challenges to constant prayer, a constant state of prayer. I mean, it's going to be sort of unrealistic, right? We, we can't possibly do it. I mean, even our brain, our attention span, scientists will tell you, like, especially for a guy, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, shiny object. You know, we just all of a sudden were diverted, right? right? Well, that means that for that second, you didn't pray. Mm-hmm. So you failed. Mm-hmm. You can't possibly keep this up. It's unrealistic, right? And certainly, there might be some unhealthy aspects to this. Because mm-hmm. I could think about this idea of, you know, it's unhealthy socially. Yeah. I mean, unless you live in a cave by yourself. Yeah. And you're constantly praying. That's all I could imagine. The only way you could live that out in your life, because you could, certainly couldn't be a family man, mm-hmm. right, in, in that context. And unhealthy physically, right? You'd, you'd sort of stop eating and sleeping and, and bathing, Right, which also would affect your interaction with other humans. Right, it'd be problematic in some of these 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 ways, and 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 it's interesting. I think if we tried to do that, we would actually spend more time praying about life than actually living living the life that God gave us. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, as a young man uh, growing up, we went to Disney World every once in a while. And I remember, like, in the advent of video cameras when they first started, remember that there'd be these guys that had spent all this money and they got these little sort of 
little carts that they wheeled around with a video gear on it. It wasn't like this little handheld stuff. And they had this big camera that was connected by a cord to that cart that they would drag it around. So they're going through Disney World mm-hmm. with their you know, 2.3 children and their wife and they're toting this thing and they're, they're taping the whole thing. I remember as a child at, at that time even looking at that going like, it's interesting that he's spending more time like orchestrating the shots right. and whatever instead of having the fun and running not around. experiencing it. Right, not and not living the life, not experiencing the fun of Disney World. Right, he's he's so he's doing that. So if our prayer, be, if it became like we have to pray, and that's what we're doing, then life becomes prayer. Right, and prayer does not assist and aid in life, mm-hmm. and so it gets turned upside down. So again, I see these challenges and realize, you know what, I can relax a little bit because obviously there is no possible way that Saint Paul could mean it in a literal way like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's still that question still in there if the bible's true and we're to listen to what he says what what then does he mean and how is it that we can possibly pray without ceasing and and justify that scripture still being there Mm -hmm. and that we would still teach it Mm -hmm. again i i I guess i want to reiterate i don't know that it means that you know a lot right just pray a lot it says it means what it's what it says and see the we're, we're gonna we're gonna sort of like pull this apart a little bit, and I think that by the end of the show, you you got to stay with us, okay? Because I will. I know you will be. You, you know, you're not moving from there. <laughs> no. As long as those donuts and that coffee's Firmly there, ensconced, right? <laughs> you are not going anywhere. That's right. Neither am I. Because um, I I want you guys out there hearing this uh, to realize that like this is when you can start going like, man, those those Catholics kind of know what they're doing. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about how can St. Paul possibly mean to pray without ceasing, and then how can we live that in our lives? And that's a big, huge task to do. Mm-hmm. But, hey, Holy Spirit's here, right? We're in the luxurious corner booth of Catholic Cafe. Anything is possible. Amen. And specifically with God, all things are possible. So right. we're going to explain that, and uh, we're going to do that when we come back. Um, before we do that, I want to remind folks that we have a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. And also, uh, my wife is coming up, and she's going to do this wonderful little... Best part of the show. Yeah, I know. We get a lot of... She's going to talk about St. Jerome. Uh, and we're going to quote St. Jerome a little bit later on, so put two and two together. But also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. When you think of saints, you often think of saintly qualities like patience, love, humility, and generosity. Not so with St. Jerome, a priest and doctor of the church born in the mid-4th century. On more than a few occasions, St. Jerome stood outside the church doors doing penance for his bad temper. While this was true, more than anything he was a staunch defender of the truth and an ardent lover of the Word of God. He felt that anyone who taught error was an enemy of God to be defeated with the swift and sure strokes of his powerful pen. St. Jerome was a scholar of great wisdom and understanding. He was a master of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and he spent many years in study in the celebrated centers of scholarship like Rome and Alexandria. He was a great student of sacred learning because he realized its vital role in obtaining the beatific vision. He once said, Let us learn upon earth those things which can call us to heaven. Sometimes feared for his veracity, 
but always known to be a genuine man of God, St. Jerome was respected by his peers. St. Augustine said of him, What Jerome does not know, no mortal man has ever known. He was very prolific in his writings. Above all, his scriptural writings have been without equal in the history of the Church. St. Jerome is most remembered for his translation of the Bible into the common or vulgar language of the people, making it more accessible to the common people. Called the Vulgate, his vigilant and meticulous translation was very popular and became the standard version of the Bible for over a thousand years. Many who question the authority of the Church like to point to the fact that St. Jerome openly opposed the inclusion of the seven deuterocanonical books in the official canon of the Bible. While this is true, as he rarely held his opinions to himself, few people realize that ultimately St. Jerome recognized, upheld, and defended the authority of Holy Mother Church in defining the canon, and placed the books in their rightful place in the Bible. In 402 AD, St. Jerome wrote regarding this issue, What sin have I committed if I follow the judgment of the churches? At the end of his life, St. Jerome finally settled in Bethlehem, where he lived in a cave believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. He died there in 420 A.D. His feast day is September 30th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. And sitting here with Tom Doringen. Doringen. Easy for you to say. No, it's really not. It's not. But it's that's okay. It's easier for me to spell it than it is to spell yours. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. Doe Ryan. And I'm, I appreciate the fact that you're here, Thomas P. Uh, Thank you. Because we're talking about we're talking about praying without ceasing. That's right. And and uh, and really, how do we do that? I mean, I just I and I understand that a lot of people might have they they want to just like make everything easy by saying like, well, it's not taken literally. The problem is what we get we get into the problem when we start saying some things aren't literal. And if the church is not saying that, right? If the church helps us to understand this is this is a sign, it's a symbol, it's a way of understanding things. Is it literally forty days mm-hmm. and forty nights, or is it a long time? But we have the church to help us with that. And so right. the church doesn't come out and say, look, it's not meant to be taken literally. It just means a lot. Right. We don't hear that from the church. So how is it that the church helps us to understand that we are to pray without ceasing? And I think the way we start is first understanding there are different types of prayer. Right? Okay. The church recognizes that there – and when I mean types of prayer, I don't mean just like, well, are they petitions? Are they thanksgivings? Are they – joyous acclamations what worship what what are the types of prayer i mean the sort of expressions of prayer and if you read the catechism it'll tell you that there's like there's like vocal prayer mm-hmm. spoken prayer right uh, sort of an organized sort of written this is a prayer and then certainly there are also meditative prayers and there are contemplative prayers mm-hmm. and so we have different ways of expressing uh, a prayer life so things like um, you know, liturgy of the hours, you know, keeping hours, a regular, with regular prayers that are set by the church that, that we do, that we participate in. Certainly the prayers that are set at Mass, I mean, we're praying together, mm-hmm. right? This is spoken word. Um, 
devotionals like the Rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet. These are devotionals, but they are effectively acts of prayer. Right. Right. They're prayers that are said. They're, they're collections of prayers, Stations of the Cross. Uh, and, of course, there's tons and tons and tons of personal prayers, prayers written by the great saints and the doctors of the church that, that come out of the church that we still use today, the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Mm-hmm. These, are, these, are, these are like the spoken, written prayers, but there's also, like I said, the, the contemplative, the meditative Prayers. There's certainly, um, you know, uh, adoration of the mm-hmm. Blessed Sacrament, being alone in the presence of God, silence, contemplating the awesomeness of God right. in His presence, but also just silent union with God, mm-hmm. right? Meditating upon scriptures in Lectio Divina, just letting the Holy Spirit sort of well up in us. And, and even, you know, you can look at the Catechism. I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done it a couple of times where you just look at the Catechism. It's actually quite beautifully written. It is. And you can read a paragraph and just sort of meditate on it. You can reflect upon it. You can pray sort of with the catechism. Of course, certainly you can also look at Mass in a contemplative and meditative way Mm -hmm. because there there are moments of silence, sacred silence. There there are opportunities for you to take in the music and really just what you just maybe either received in the the spoken word of God, but maybe what you received in the the living word of God, the Eucharist, that you are contemplating his magnanimity. It's just all this beautiful stuff we can do and you start to realize okay these are different types of prayer right the church doesn't say this is better than that that's better it's like these are different ways uh, expressions in which we can we can pray now all of these are still dedicated acts of prayer like Mm -hmm. i i meditated i sat i i like to meditate at 6 a.m you know or whatever or i like to do the rosary with the um Folks who are picking up their kids at school, and we get there early, so we do a rosary at 2.30 or whatever. You know, these are times of prayer, and certainly masses at a certain time. The Liturgy of the Hours, they're dedicated acts of prayer, Mm -hmm. right? So if that's the case, does that mean that God is intending that we pray that way every second of every day? That's the part. Yeah, I would say no. You would be in the right club. You would be in the the no club here is the right club, because God doesn't. He doesn't ask us to do that. I mean, certainly God recognizes who we are. He he gave us who we are. Right. Right? He gave us who we are and he made us. He know, he knows that we have we're a fleet of sanity. We, right. You know, everything changes and we're distracted and by the squirrels. Yeah, exactly. Oh wait, wait. Oh, I thought I saw something. No, <laughs> never mind. Anyway, he knows we're distracted. Right. Right? He knows that we're pulled in many different directions. And so he knows this, mm-hmm. and yet still he, he wants us to pray without ceasing. And if we realize there's different kinds of prayer, now we can start to look at this and say, what could he have possibly meant? Yeah. What does he want us to know? Now, in preparation, you know, what's beautiful about the scriptures, you can read commentaries. Mm-hmm. Some of the great minds, there's great, I, I read a lot of them. I leave, read a lot of Catholic commentaries, but I also like to read some of the Protestant commentaries. Okay. Right? I like to spend time and see what people uh, say and occasionally I'm going to be honest with you. I will, you know, I will search the the Church of Google, the right? Church of Google, yeah, or the Church of Wikipedia. Gotcha. Right. It's a, they're they're commentaries. Now they're not always good. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair warning, mm-hmm. right? But I like to know what do people think, what do they feel, where does this come from? What'd you get? I, I'll tell you this: that I'm glad I'm Catholic, <laughs> because really the pray without ceasing part. They really, have it down. They, the Catholics have it down. Okay. I mean, there's really, literally, it's only those commentaries. Because some of the, um, and I've gotten some great stuff out of some of the Protestant ca- uh, commentaries. Sure. And even some pretty good stuff, you know, from 
Wikipedia and Google. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that's awful. I'm just saying the Catholics like it's the it's the whole deal, 100. percent Okay, right? They've got the full revelation, and and it's beautiful. Um, I, I I'll just read a couple things that come to us from like the Navarre Bible Commentary. Okay, that speaks specifically to this passage in First Thessalonians. Perfect. Pray without ceasing. It, it says this. This is a this is Saint Jerome, mm-hmm. and Saint Jerome says the apostle. He's talking about Paul. Tells us to pray always for holy people. Even sleep is a prayer. Mm. Mm, think about that for a second. Then he he goes on to say that we're to be involved in whenever we're involved in some task. Um, he, he said we should have certain times of prayer spread out over the day, so that even if we are involved in some task, the timetable we have given ourselves remind us that duty calls. So, there like this is about the monastic style of life. We're going to pray at all these different times. Of the day, very Benedictine, a very very much so. But it's this idea of it's just monastic. It's like we're going to pray in the morning, we're going to pray in the mid morning, we're going right. to pray in the, the at lunchtime, in the mid afternoon, in right. the right. And you go through these hours of prayer, which is where we get the liturgy of the hours from in that in that context. And so he's helping us to see that if, if our work is in between these prayers, they're connected, right? They're connected and. Um, there's also this uh, Saint Jose Maria Escrivá, oh, yeah. wonderful guy, and and they they quote him a lot in Navarre, hmm. and he says this: a Christian life should be one of constant prayer, trying to live in the presence of God from morning to night and from night to morning. In other words, he he sees life as a prayer, yeah. and and not to say that like God belongs to this time or my mind belongs to God during. This time, this yeah, is the problem, right? Where, where Catholics say, "Well, I go to mass on Sundays, so I act like this on Sundays and I act like right. this on Monday morning." Right? Right? We can't. We can't do that. We have to take mm-hmm. God everywhere that we go, and so we see that. And in, in what you were talking about, sort of Benedictine, yeah. Um, it really, we you know, his one of his, from the rule of Saint Benedict, we get this ora et labora, the mm-hmm. Latin for pray and work, right? And that there's a connection between prayer and work. There, there. They're sort. They're not mutually exclusive. It's not mm-hmm. like, well, now I'm praying, now I'm working. You start to realize that life is to be led as a prayer. Right now, how that's done might be hard to conceive. Like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that? I mean, how do I do that? Right. And so I, I pondered that. Okay. Um. And and I think you know I think that there's some maybe some if we stop and think about it there might be some obvious ways in which we can sort of live our life as a prayer. For instance. Thinking big picture, mm-hmm. what if we were to consecrate our life to the protection of Mary, to the protection of a particular saint, to really just to offer ourselves to God as as a human being? Perfect. Lord, everything that I do, I do for you. Now, I will fail. Yeah. But everything that I do, I do for you. So That's beautiful. Right? And so then you realize that, you know, you're dedicating yourself to God now. Right. I mean, dedication is different than I'm going to try to do better. I love Jesus. It's dedication is like going. I am now going to apply my life, and this is the the highest purpose and meaning in life. And so, what that ultimately means is that everything you do, wherever you are, and at all times, right, yeah. you are dedicated to God. You're going to live your life differently once that happens. Exactly. It makes me. It reminds me of like one year my wife gave me as a gift a, a crucifix to wear around my neck. Mm-hmm. And I realized one time, in a particularly dark time in my life, mm-hmm. I was wearing the crucifix even in the, the darkest hours, mm-hmm. even in sin, that crucifix was with me. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that we should sin. I'm just saying that even our sinfulness, mm-hmm. 
becomes prayerful in the sense that it leads us to God. Because in our failing, we empty ourselves, we, we, we have to humble ourselves, and we have to receive the mercy of God mm-hmm. because of our sin- sinfulness. The church sees us as the felix culpa, the, the oh, happy fault, the, the sin of Adam. Right. We're so happy that Adam sinned because we have a Savior. Right. I know it's kind of weird sounding. No, but I, I get it. So, so doing things like offering your work to God, Mm-hmm. Offering your suffering to God, giving thanks for your leisure and your fun, mm-hmm. and putting everything in your life in the context of God. It's either a gift from God or it's a departure from God mm-hmm. that leads you back to God. Right. Right. Your sin and, and, and even suffering, you offer that. We've talked about many times redemptive suffering. Yep. And then just your day to day servile work, what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, well, I, I, you know, I peel potatoes in the kitchen. You know what? Offer that to God. Right. Right. And so that's one thing you can do. Now, other things that you can do, mm-hmm. you, you, can always re- you can realize that you're always on stage. Think about that for a second. So even in the things that you do, you were always on stage, you were evangeliz- evangelizing. Just by your actions. <laughs> yeah, you were evangelizing just by who you are in the context of where you are. You know, what's funny is my mind went to that earlier. You know, our buddy right. Durant Fleming has uh-huh. a sticker on his car that says, it's, it's so good to be Catholic. Yeah. So when you do that... Trust me, you're on stage. That's right. So people are watching you the way you drive. You don't want to cut somebody off. You don't want to give them the "you're right. number one" sign. Right. Right. Because right? you're thinking like, "What have I just done?" Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that. Um, I like to bowl. I'm a bowler. Right. And so, you're but it's kind, bowler, of, it's, it's kind of it's kind of you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell everybody out in the world there. I shot 300 Monday night. Did you really? I did. I shot 300 This game. past Monday? Yeah, I did. Oh, congratulations. 300, yeah. So Great. anyway. What is that, the 10th time? 15th, 20th? It's the old man still got it. It's all that matters. <laughs> you know, we don't brag. We just say, hey, I can still do it. Um, but, you know, at the bowling alley, you know, it, life can get compartmentalized. Well, that's bowling. It's not church. Mm-hmm. I had one person come up and ask me one time, go like, now, are you some kind of preacher? They asked me that. And I'm thinking like, well, how would you know that? I don't wear my collar when I'm bowling. But they, they must have seen you somewhere. No. It's my, it was, she, I said, why do you say that? She goes, well, it's like you just seem to be like filled with joy and haircut. hope. It That's was not it the haircut. That's it was not. It. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was the way I helped my, I mean, it's like, she's like, you tell a lot of jokes, but they're not dirty. You, you, you seem like everything's fun and, oh, and there's a sense of joy and a sense of hope. I just thought that maybe you were some kind of, you know, man of God. It's like, That's you know great. what? I, I appreciate that. It helped me realize that I'm on stage. Yeah. Always. That's what St. Paul means. We can pray without ceasing. We, 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 we got to be able to attend Mass. We need to be at Mass, be present at Mass, right? It, it, it's a prayer. It's a living prayer. Let your heart beat. Let, your, um, let that be like the drumbeat of prayer in your life. You're like a living rosary, right? Let your suffering become a prayer for justice and harmony and, and peace. St. Paul is right on the money. We can, we need to realize that everything in our life is a prayer, Amen. If we offer it to God. Amen. So let's ask St. Mary Perfect. to intercede on our behalf. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.